Hey everybody, welcome to A Girl Talks, episode 7. What you should know about dating a domestic abuse survivor. For those listening for the first time, um, I am a survivor of domestic violence. I try to use my platform as best as I can to help as many people as I can by sharing the now, the strong woman that overcame a horrible situation but I don't share all of what I went through in terms of the immediate after. And although it appears that I am strong and it appears that I have it all together, the truth of the matter is I don't. It's a constant battle, just like it is with my eating disorder. It's an everyday thing. I have not taken the time or made the time for my own mental health and mental care. That being said, um, I found myself really trying to figure myself out. Some things more obvious than others and other things being a constant question mark as to why, what's happened to me after this situation. And I find myself seeking the urge to want to speak to someone more now than ever because we're all dealing with this pandemic, locked up at home, not seeing our friends and our loved ones. A lot of us are also experiencing the wave of this Venus retrograde, which has hit so many people that I know and others in the media world and it makes you really reflect on things, having both situations happening simultaneously. And it's a great opportunity to really reflect and try your best to find articles that can help you in the meantime. And in this episode, I'm going to share what I've learned. I'm going to share um, articles that I've found that help makes sense for me. Um, I look forward to speaking to someone because again, I've only spoken to someone once after what happened to me. I made a lot of excuses because so many people needed me. I set many obstacles because I had many goals that I wanted to catch up with to obtain. And I also felt a sense of shame because I didn't want to be looked at as weak. That was me, young, scared, upset, humiliated me. And now with where I'm at in my life, you really, really sometimes get a hard look in the mirror and you realize, baby girl, you still have more room to heal and more room for growth. As I mentioned, I pulled information from various sources like New York Times, like Health, Magazine, Vogue, Teen Vogue, um, the Psychiatric Organization, Domestic Violence Hotline, and more. One of the articles that I found listed seven ways abuse survivors love differently. 
and I will give you small synopsis for each bullet point. Um, one, survivors of abuse might try to sabotage a relationship, whether it's a new relationship, relatively new relationship, or a long-term relationship that they've had. Um, at times, the survivor fears that getting close allows them to then get closer to getting hurt again. And it makes it easy for them to trigger the pushing their partner away. Um, they do this by lashing out out of anger. Uh, they might withdraw themselves emotionally or physically. Um, they can be hypercritical. And sometimes they aren't even aware. I read a woman's story who mentioned every time uh, their relationship would get serious, whether it was moving in or getting closer to moving out or getting engaged or even starting a family. In those different phases with different people, each time she graduated to a next step with a new person, um, she would find herself able to get to the next step, but then withdrawing and not making it to her end goal, which was ultimately get married, have a house and have a family. So it took her various relationships before getting there because every time it got closer to the next step, she was fearful. Um, a lot of that fear is the idea of not feeling deserving of love. And we can talk about that um, next. Number two, survivors might not feel worthy of a loving relationship. Um, for many victims who have managed to survive and get out of their abusive situation, the abuser really leaves these people with feeling like they weren't good enough to be loved and therefore aren't good enough for a healthy and loving relationship. And in the process of all this, it takes a lot of work to overcome that damage. Um, it's harder than it might appear. Um, I remember part of the reason I didn't continue therapy was because I would always hear, just get over it, you're not in it anymore, or just move on, leave it in the past. And doing those type of things are not healthy. You, you need to be able to speak to someone that's non-biased and can help you get through something versus sweeping it under the rug. And in a case like mine, um, I, I did realize that I felt that way. And I had to figure out how to overcome that damage. And I thought that I did every time any of my failed relationships occurred. Um, but like everyone else's story that, that I did read, you know, survivors like myself, we want connection. We want intimacy. We want mutual respectality, you know, and it, and it takes, it takes a lot of courage to move on after an abuser. 
Um, sometimes people go back to their abuser. Um, I read a story of a woman that did, and um, until she almost was left for dead. And I related to that. And that's one thing I want to share um, now that we're talking about this. A lot of the stories that I read are similar and have happened to different people, all walks of living all over the part of the world. And I can connect to a lot of their stories. Um, having gone through domestic violence, physical abuse, mental, emotional abuse, financial abuse, you understand what that person's story is about because they basically lived the same entire thing. Um, but obviously with a different individual at a different place, a different space. So it takes, it takes a person to understand that this is a forever thing. Um, your partner needs to be aware that you're still working on feeling like you're deserving of love and that the compassion that you have and the love that you do have is what will allow you to heal with them in your life without disregarding your needs first of the healing process. You know, sometimes those scars are so deep embedded that have been left behind. And I don't mean the, f the physical scars that have healed and have probably faded away, but the scars internally um, from a bad relationship, it, it, it stays there. Um, but one thing that I want anyone listening who is a survivor is that you have a lot to offer, you know, the person that you were before this relationship, it's there. And the person that you can become is there too. Um, you can have the compassion. You can have the strength. You can move on. You can learn to cope. And it takes a lot of hard work and recovery with family members friends, professionals, and your partner. Number three, sometimes survivors might get attached too fast. Um, sometimes people who've experienced partner abuse jump into a new relationship or an old relationship because they're hungry for love and they're hungry for affirmation. And if it's an old flame, it's a familiar safety. Um, if it's a new flame, it's the honeymoon stage. Um, and it's looking for that love that they didn't find in their abusive partner. Um, I remember I got back with my ex before my abuser. And the reason why that relationship ended um, is because he noticed that I was different. And of course I was different. Um, I dealt with things that I hadn't ever dealt with or seen in my upbringing. And I dived into a new relationship right after that. Again, seeking for love and affirmation that I didn't get from my abuser and more afraid jumping into something new because my old didn't work out. One of the common denominators that everyone who shared their story and when I share mine is that we were just too afraid to face the sadness of what we went through 
of the shame we felt, of the rejection that we experienced, and being with someone new uh, reassured each of us a level of comfort and security. And that was a pattern I noticed that I was doing that I, I quickly fixed. Um, when that relationship ended, I gave myself a really hard look in the mirror and I picked up books and I went and did yoga and meditation and spiritual cleansing and spiritual healers. And I really did invest a lot of time in that. And, and that really, really is helpful. Some people say there's a better holistic approach, but I do feel like speaking to a, a professional who has studied this and has the experience is very, very critical. Even if it's two, three, four sessions, um, it can be life-changing. And uh, again, you need someone that can be uh, very upfront with with you. Um, and they can be, especially if it's been so many years since the situation, that they can really, really give you that that tough love, that that reawakening that you need to tap into and you need that extra push and help and assistance in order to salvage your current situation, whether you're in a new relationship or a relationship that's moving into a direction of the next level. One of the things that I found and that's listed here is for um, survivors of, of abuse can find it very difficult at first in the bedroom with their partner. Um, getting close to someone physically is probably the most vulnerable experience with the person you're going to lay in bed for the first time. And um, it's funny because I honestly uh, understood when I read all these things, I was like, my God, that's the same thing that I've encountered. Um, some funny, some awkward. And um, the last time you know, myself and these other women and men who were vulnerable, they got hurt. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting shift. It's a really hard thing for even me to describe. You have to live it to understand and, and, and know exactly. Um, but if you want to just break it down in, in a simpler, basic way, it's always scary for anybody, right? Well, just think about how scary it can be for someone who trusted another individual with their body. Um, my experience with my abuser, sex became a, a almost a punishment. Um, it didn't feel good uh, too many times a day, um, unnecessarily uh, forced in not in the mood, um, and when sex should be fun, sex should be intimate, sex should be a, a form of expression of love, um, it just became a feeling of just an object, a thing. And um, if I could sum it up, which a lot of women who, who have had these similar situations, you really just feel like a sex slave. And that does mess up with your psyche. That does mess up with your with your body, which is your temple. So... For anybody that knows someone or is dating or talking to someone, just please be patient, especially when it comes to the bedroom, especially in the beginning part of the relationship. Um, you know, we're facing things and trying to cope and, and trying to also understand ourselves. So it's, it's not you. It's definitely not you. It's past 
circumstance and, and fear that is coming into place with a brand new person. Five, we sometimes startle easily uh, or flinch or jump at loud noises and sounds, um, especially if your tone changes uh, its, its volume. Um, you know, partners that abuse their victim would either use it physically, emotionally, or verbally, and sometimes all at the same time. So you have to remember that loudness and certain physical movements, um, whether you're pacing or walking forward or getting closer to them while you're yelling, um, it, it will trigger and remind us of abuse. Um, that's something that I've, I kind of tried to put into practice when I worked at the psychiatric ER, had a lot of patients always coming up to me, always running at me. And I think I exercised my, my reflexes really well there, um, not working at the hospital, um, and, and, and anymore has definitely, um, made me a little bit more edgy to loud sounds. And I think it's a little self-explanatory to understand why it would probably make the person a little bit more distant and withdrawal and a little more guarded. Um, it, it's something, honestly, that we can't help. Um, like I said, working at the hospital really kept me on my toes and, and I'd had my reflex pretty down-packed, but not working in that atmosphere, not being uh, completely faced with things that can trigger me and learning how to cope with it at my workplace, um, for so long now, it, it, there are times that I can hear something and I'll just get up out of bed because I, I have to see what's going on. Um, it's, it's the mind, it's the body. And, and that's what, um, an article really, uh, went into depth with, um, that the mind and the body reminds the survivor of what they went through, their abuse. It's, it's, it's a reflex of protecting themselves, um, just like they would in the situation, circumstance that they were once in. Many survivors have triggers that aren't just uh, towards noises. Um, uh, the anxiety, the depression, the post-traumatic stress um, in general, um, it, it brews up uh, emotional triggers. According to the founder of Core Emotional Healing, um, Alicia Miller states that it's important to distinguish the difference between having a traumatic trigger and feeling upset. And an emotional trigger means that something or someone has been reminded of the trauma from their past that has not been resolved. And these triggers can cause emotional responses um, where the survivor of abuse may feel altered. Uh, they might get extremely angry. They might get extremely annoyed. They might cry. They might withdraw uh, and get really quiet, or they might disassociate themselves and relocate um, to a different part of the house, or if you're at the gym or mall or store, the different side of it, because um, the feeling that they're feeling is just upsetting and and. And it's still a valid feeling. Um, it's not caused by anything you did wrong. Alicia Miller um, states that it's just a different 
coping trigger mechanism that happens in the process of the emotional healing for a person who has been victimized of domestic violence. Some survivors actually repress that emotion um, that might be triggered by something that they might not even know they're experiencing a traumatic trigger, but their significant other or partner will. Um, they can see it, they can feel it, they can notice it. Um, so even if someone doesn't even know that they're experiencing that at the moment, that feeling is very overwhelming and it's re-traumatizing, um, but they're trying to disconnect that so it doesn't ever do this full circle thing is from what I gathered that she explains. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not dealing with a great lot of stress or extra emotional um, burden. Um, it actually means that they're just coping with a prior issue that's still will continue to resurface unless it gets handled at its core, at its root. Six, uh, sometimes we mistrust kind gestures. <laughs> I actually noticed that with me. Um, I have a problem with people gifting me with things. Um, I always thought it was, oh, I feel bad that they're spending money on me when it can be saved for something we both can do together. Um, but reading the articles that I've read, um, I realized that that was the correlation that my abuser would make each and every single time. Uh, I knew I had a huge disconnect with flowers because of that, but I didn't think about the other things, the material, the gifts, the, the, the lavish dinners, shopping, the this and that. I, I, I kind of forgot about those things. And um, again, you bury things in your mind and, and, and you try to forget a lot of stuff. And when I was reading these articles, I realized that I correlated gifts and compliments, especially compliments, with that of my abuser who would shower me with so many of those things. Um, so what survivors of abuse will do is they usually pull away or are awkward when someone gives them a compliment. And because they themselves can't accept compliments, they don't know how to give them. They're just as equally as awkward as giving them as they are receiving them. So they prefer not to get them so that they don't feel like they are obligated to give them because that's another thing. Um, I, I write a commonality on, um, and I can say that my abuser always wanted me to praise him. And um, it was hard to do that after a, a bad beating. So um, if you give us a gift or a compliment and you wonder why we're, we're cold, it, again, it's, it's not you. It's not you. It's, it's these little things that can trigger. And reading, like I said, these articles make a lot of sense of things that I was sort of aware of of myself. I just thought they were preferences. Now I realize that there's actually a deep-rooted connection to what I went through. Um, and, and we can't help it. Like, we're just afraid, you know? Um, when my boyfriend compliments me, it, it's, it's beautiful. I just get awkward. And when he writes a song for me, it's beautiful. But it's something in me that just makes me get scared <laughs> you know um it's it's you you're scared like 
you know, what if, what if we break up or you start thinking about all these crazy things and it's just not normal. And that's why I believe that it's important to definitely see someone. Um, hopefully once this lockdown is lifted, that's one of the first places I'm going to go is to see and speak with someone that's professional that can help me because I really want the help. Um, because behind our fear, you know, we, we, we really are grateful. Like we really are grateful when you take the whole fear away. Um, we're really grateful for the gift, the thought, uh, the compliment. And, and if you feel like something's wrong, it's okay to ask us. Um, and now that I know how to connect these things, I, I it kind of makes sense and alleviates me a little bit more because it is confusing. Even for me, it's been confusing. Um, and it's a hard time knowing why we do what we do and how to sort out our feelings to certain things. So again, be patient and be really aware that it's, it's not you. Now we're at seven. Survivors of abuse have a very low self-confidence. Um, I think that when you come to my page and you see, you see strength, you see empowerment, you see all these great things, which are things that I want to project. I want the world to feed off of because I feel like it's important to deliver a positive message. Um, but we all have our insecurities and especially people that have come out of an abusive relationship. And, and, and that's been something that I have been working on throughout the years since my abuser. And it has led me into a journey of, of self-love and in the aspects of not chasing perfection. Um, you know, my, my abuser, like he idolized me in the beginning. Um, but eventually he beat me down, um, beat my self-esteem. Um, I walked away with it with fractured bones, broken bones, uh, bruises, uh, just <laughs> miscarriage that my body had gone through, you know, having life in it and then it being gone and, you know, all that in the mix of things, um, it's, it's, it's very, it's very difficult to cope with. Your body is very resilient, but your mind, it does take time to process what you went through and that takes the longest to heal. For that mere reason, um, I believe it's very imperative for someone to get immediate psychiatric help by a professional because um, it can lead to depressions and thoughts. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that is common that I, I read that I relate to um, is being told that you're not good, you're no good enough, uh, you know, how could anyone love you? Uh, uh, I hit you because you deserved it. And um, we need time. We need time to get over that type of damage and, and that type of low, lowest part of our self-esteem. Um, and and one thing the partner can do is, is help by understanding that sometimes the survivor will suppress a lot of emotions and suppress this because they're fighting they're, they're, they're working. Their, their mind is literally at work almost all the time. Um, and it's helpful to talk about it and help us get through it. Um, that was one of the suggestions a doctor said. 
And I know it sounds so easy because how can you talk about it when someone doesn't want to talk about it? Um, definitely has to be patience. There has to be that love, that respect. And um, with it, love always finds its way. Love will help move mountains. And um, if you're a survivor who listen to all seven things and we're like, oh my God, this is entirely on me. It's okay. Like I had moments of, I was like, this is all me. Um, I think that if you feel like you have at least three of the seven, there's still more work that clearly needs to be done. Like I said, it's an every day, all day, forever thing, but it would be a little easier and a whole lot helpful doing it with the help of a professional. Before dating a girl who experienced domestic violence, uh, I think a person needs to know this. Um, this woman, this girl, um, went through hell. That's the only way I can describe it, hell. Um, and that means that she needs to find her safe haven um, on this earth. Um, she needs to plant her feet back on the ground and, and, and get out of that, that, that purgatory stage. Um, she needs someone who will be willing to fight for her, um, just as you would want her to fight for you. Um, uh, you need to provide a safe harbor where she feels like she can just let go and, and release these emotions. Um, you know, and most of all, she she needs she needs to know that your love is real and that your affection is sincere and it's it's real and this is not something that is going to be a just a few months, just a couple years that you're in it to win it. Um, that's quotes that I literally just read from women who have survived domestic violence. So if you want to date a girl who has experienced domestic violence, there are things you should know in order to make your relationship work. Um, one, she can't run away from her past. She can't. Um, even if she tried really hard, it's impossible. Um, there's some really awful things that happen when a person is physically emotionally and mentally abusive to the person they intended to love. Um, and all those things really have made her the person she is today, which is strong, it's independent, and it's made her into the person that finally loves herself. So if you want to make for a beautiful love story, try to embrace her flaws and all. Um, remember that She's not guilty of the things that happened to her. What happened to her is unexcusable and no one, no one should ever have to go through that. Just show her, show her what real love is. And uh, that, that's probably one of the best things that I read. I was like, wow, I have to put this in my podcast. Um, two, uh, physical contact is not going to be easy. Uh, again, you have to understand that you know, she left an abusive relationship where her partner, you know, has been physically violent, where she suffered a whole lot 
um, like I mentioned, I've had bruises, I had a miscarriage, I've had a concussion. Um, there was a time that I couldn't feel my toes, I couldn't move my legs. Um, but the body does bounce back, it's resilient, it's the mind-body combination that um, doesn't allow for the survivor to feel comfortable. Um, you could touch her in places that would normally feel pleasant and it might cause her to jump, to jitter. Um, and in the beginning, you're going to have to just gain her trust and be patient with her, take it slow, um, and don't take it personal. Um, she needs to be completely relaxed and completely confined in you to be able to move forward and forward when it comes to um, holding hands, kissing in the bedroom. Uh, because the trauma from her past will mean a lot for her if you could understand her decisions on certain things to partake and not partake on. Um, it makes it so much easier if uh, her partner can be understanding. And um, don't think that like you can't hug her. Don't. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, touch her and straddle her just because, you know, you're scared that she might be afraid of you. Actually, those type of um, touches and contacts are very soothing very comforting, very safe, and um, go ahead, hug her, straddle her, spoon her, um, let her feel safe. She might feel empty and lost, and that might explain why she might appear guarded, uh, cold, distant, uh, emotionless. Um, even if, if she managed to escape her abusive relationship, um, she still hasn't gained the trust within her. Even though she might have healed and learned to love herself, she might still be uncertain with her judgment when it comes to picking a partner. Um, and that causes for a lot of confusion and, and it can be very lonely and it can be very scary, the not knowing if it's the right path for her. Um, uh, this is why having a partner who will be her leader um, and who knows what's best for her is very critical. Um, don't baby her, but definitely um, take her by the hand and lead the way. Um, she, she really needs someone where, again, she can feel safe and tell their partner all the awful things that have happened without fear of turning him off or without... Uh, fear of, of thinking that he might feel that he can do this to her. Um, I know that for a fact, talking about what I went through with my boyfriend um, has helped me probably more than talking about it on social media. Um, talking about it on social media helps me, but I know it's meant to help other people. So when I share things with my boyfriend, that are more intimate, more descriptive, um, it, it helps really with my soul. So if you're dating someone, just let her talk. No matter how awful it is, let her finish. Let her let it all out and don't judge her. Dr. Gorolachi, 
um, mentioned that it's it's important to set boundaries to help cultivate a healthy relationship. So when it comes to um, being a loving partner or a friend, family member, um, Goldrich says that it's best to follow the survivor's lead um, because someone who has survived a trauma as them needs that sense of control and they cannot have that sense of control stripped away from them. When they feel like they don't have control, it's when they feel the most alarmed and most fearful of things. Um, uh, There was a person, um, a client of hers, that mentioned that she learned when you care about someone, it's it's easy to kind of bite more than you can chew because you, you want to help the people that you love and you want to make sure that they're okay. Um, but what you can't do is love abuse away. You can't love trauma away. You can't love mental illness away. And it's very important not to forget the mental health aspect of a professional, um, especially in the beginning marks of coming out of an abusive relationship and for as long as you need until you feel like you got to the core of your healing. Um, So when you're dealing with a survivor who has a set-up system in place, a routine, um, a schedule, um, do your best to respect their boundaries, to respect their way and and not try to shake things up because it will um, it will shake them up it will it will scare them and that was a very interesting read um, because to be frank uh, I am very um, a certain way of things and it's become a thing I think that's now makes sense that it's something that I use as a coping mechanism and um, it's very interesting right now during this quarantine to do a lot of reading about these things uh, because I honestly got advice from people and the advice wasn't as good as I thought it to be because it's just, again, it was just sweeping things under the rug and not really um, taking full responsibility of the mental health responsibility. One thing I noticed that a lot of survivors spoke on and that had similar feelings was how difficult it is for them to develop a healthy friendship and a healthy relationship because they don't know what the standard of a healthy relationship and boundary should be, Um, which is why um, Dr. Grilecci really stressed that patience with a survivor is very necessary and creating these boundaries and levels with them early on is imperative um, because of the lack of knowing or forgetting because of what they lived that now became their new normal. So they had to, you know, they're shifting. So if you're dating someone who immediately got out of a, a domestic violent relationship, you have to understand that their normal was the fighting and the yelling and the back and forth thing and the fight or flight. Um, in the later aspect of, of their survival, whether it be two, three, ten years, um, they're still figuring it out, whether through failed friendships, failed relationships, and it's imperative to um, talk it out and, and, and remind both of you 
um, what the boundaries are, what they should be, what the standard norm would be for you both, quote unquote, and just practice it. And again, have patience. Patience, I think, is one of the things that this doctor mentioned over and over again. Patience for the self and patience um, uh, for the partner and vice versa. In one of the findings, and speaking of, to survivors, um, one thing really became clear in this survey um, that was a common trend for a survivor of domestic violence or abuse. Um, it, it was a trend for them to feel disorientated or triggered by any disagreement that might occur, uh, familial, friendship, or romantic. Um, this is why uh, family, friends, lovers um, need to be patient. It's so necessary. Um, there was this woman, her name is Erin, 25 years old, who survived uh, domestic violence, said that she tend to think that everything was her fault or she got defensive because, you know, she felt attacked or her back against the wall. And, um, and it completely unfolded all these, 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 these retaliations of verbal, uh, comebacks, um, in the midst of an argument and, um, reading something like that, I, I've always said to people, I'm the type of person that if you upset me, I won't curse at you. I won't yell at you, but I will sting you with my tongue. Like I'm witty. I'm sarcastic. I can be a bitch. Um, and I never was ever like that. And I realized that I became like that after my abuser. And now I'm seeing correlations. Um, I've read so many people's stories on so many different forms and so many different research articles and surveys that I'm like, again, um, we might have we are, we might be of different ages, ethnicities, financial background, but we all hold a lot of that commonality and um, the common denominator, which is we're victims of abuse, and we've all experienced that cycle. We all experience the um, the the pain. We all experience the trauma. We all experienced the 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 afterfact of it. Um, and you'll always find two, three, four women that share similar stories of, of, of all those things. Um, but one of the things that needs to be reminded, especially if you're in an argument, um, Dr. Gulcher mentioned that, uh, you need to remind your partner that it's not her fault that she might've you know, broken down. It's not her fault if she was afraid, um, but that she needs to own up to her, her mistakes. She needs to really reflect and she needs to, um, take responsibility after that, uh, feeling attack will continue to make her feel like she has more to prove that it wasn't wrong. It wasn't that serious. It wasn't it was dismissed. It's like something to dismiss, which is not correct. And I know can play a whole load on the partner. Um, but patience is one thing that I continue to read. And as I'm looking at my notes and my quotes, I, I'm, I'm reading patience just about everywhere. So if you're dealing with someone who's come out of an abusive relationship, um, please just, just be patient and just love, love them. I can't stress that more or enough. Um, just 
know that, that they love you and and they chose you. And that's really, if you're in it, you guys can, like I said, love will always find its way. As a survivor of domestic violence, I find myself collecting my notes, rereading things and having these moments of, of epiphanies and light bulbs and, and it's an ah moment. Um, these are things that can develop into more ah moments that will go deep, deeper and deeper into the root of it when you do have the opportunity to talk to someone, not just a friend who's a support system or a family member who's a support system or your lover who's a support system. Um, you also need to find a professional because you will at times resent these people that are your support system. Um, and that's where the lack of wanting to speak about things with family and friends and your partner um, comes to a halt at times. Um, I know that whenever I share my story, it always ends at a certain time, a space. And that's mainly because I can't move forward with the rest because I can't handle hearing things or judgments or questions um, because it'll it'll make me feel like, are you seriously asking me this? Why is it important? Is he relevant? And you've developed these resentments. And then when you give of yourself with so much information, you do also develop a sense of resentment if it ever gets brought up and thrown in your face. And, and this is why um, I, myself, um, speaking it into the world, speaking into existence, I plan continuing to pick up where I am on my journey of self-love and really focus on the mental health of what I went through. Uh, it was a really serious thing. And although it appears that I'm strong and I got it together, you know, I don't, I, I, I strive to have it together, which is why it's together, but it's together. It's not even being held by a thread. It's being held by tape and not the good tape that you need it's the tape that like you know just holds certain types of things and not heavy weight and it needs the big big heavy duty the electrical tape and that's where professional help will be ideal for anyone who um, is dealing with any type of pain related to again any type of form of abuse whether it be physical, whether it be emotional. And it's healthy. It's healthy for your relationships. It's healthy for your relationships with your family, with your friends, with new possible friends, with your partner. Um, and if my partner is listening to this podcast, I just want him to know that I love him and that I am aware more now than ever. Um, some of my uh, my basic structures of things that might be normal to me but not really normal to everybody and I need to get reassimilated to what is and should be our normal and I love you and I'm so grateful for the patience that you've had with me um I know that I can sometimes appear to be distant and I can sometimes be reserved. Um, but there's a lot of love, a lot of emotion, a lot of 
consideration, a lot of appreciation, and I love you. Mucho, 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 mucho.